What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome back to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM with the Joes and Aaron Hawksworth on the BetQL Network. Welcome back. BetQL Daily right here on the BetQL Network. Joe O, Joe G, Aaron Hawksworth with you on a Tuesday Presented, of course, by BetMGM. And joining us right now to talk some NFL as we head towards Week 13, Jason Logan, Senior Industry Analyst of Covers and host of the Sharp 600 podcast on the NFL. Jason, the GetMyPhoenix.com guest line. The Phoenix, a revolutionary technology helping men all across America get back to their best in the bedroom. Visit GetMyPhoenix.com to learn more. Jason, last night, another night where the public was on the wrong side. A lot of, lot of bets on the Colts here. Let's talk about that. We, we joke about it all the time, kind of fade the public thing. But in a year where a lot of underdogs are winning and winning outright and covering, it feels like when a lot of people are on a short favorite or a big favorite, the other way is, is kind of the right side. Yeah, generally, it's kind of lean that way. It's We've had some up and down. Like, you look at the Thursday Thanksgiving Day slate and the three teams left. So the way I calculated the public thing, we have covers consensus on our site. And I've been tracking this for a few years. And teams that are getting 60% of uh, the picks or more, I kind of categorize. And then I look at teams getting 65% or more as well, too. So the teams that are really, really popular. And we saw the three Thanksgiving Day games have those 60% plus teams. They all won and co- or sorry, they all covered. Um, and then uh, you look at the, the Sunday and the Monday, I believe they were like one in six. So uh, right now, teams drawing 60% plus, according to our covers consensus, are just 30, 39, and one ATS. And the team's drawing 65% or more, 14 and 13 after kind of a bad uh, finish to this week. So it is it is one of these things where, like I said, I track it all season. Generally, at the end of the year, it's very, very close. But generally, the public does kind of come out a, a little different. I would say it's not it's not a, a, a blind bet strategy. It's just something kind of to consider when you are placing bets, especially when you see these like 65 plus. You know, why is everyone there? Why is everyone jumping there? And then kind of look at the line movement around that. And maybe the line has moved away from where the action is. And then it gets you thinking a little more about the game. And what am I missing? Or, or, or you know, what am I what am I not seeing? So those sort of uh, kind of, it's a, it's a, like a, a layer to the, the sandwich of handicapping, I guess. Uh, Jason, I've been wondering you, why. When... <laughs> Go ahead. I, so, sorry, Aaron, I messed that up. I, I didn't realize. You just came out of nowhere. I was I, thought, I was like, my camera's on. Why am I not seeing myself? Okay. Um, I, a big picture on the Super Bowl. I, I find it kind of funny that now it was it was all about the depth of the AFC. And I, I think that's still there. Even though the Super Bowl odds would suggest they have the two best teams in the Chiefs and the Bills, I think it's mm-hmm. easier to make a case as you go down the board for teams like the Bengals or maybe the Chargers getting into the top seven. And then as they've mm-hmm. gotten healthier, maybe they can make some sort of a run. And then on the NFC, at the top, it's strong Niners, Eagles, Cowboys. But after that, it seems tough. Um, Vikings had a great record, but nobody seems to really believe in them, and they just keep winning <laughs> these one-score matchups. How do, how do you view the NFC overall? Uh, the, the NFC, uh, for me... San Francisco is the class of the NFC, at least when you look at both sides of the football right now. And they've been helped along with a very, very advantageous schedule, too. If you look at their schedule, they've played 
they've gone a span of 45, or they will go a span of 45 days without a true road game. The only game they've played away from home in that span is the Mexico City game against Arizona. The last time they played a true road game was at the Rams in week eight. And so this, mm-hmm. this schedule here is setting up very, very well for them to kind of gain some momentum, work out some of those kinks, get some of those guys back uh, from injury, and, and really build some momentum before the end of the year. On both sides of the ball, I would say they look probably the best. However, you've got Jimmy Garoppolo as that big glaring weakness. And he you look at the other contenders in the mix there. You look at guys like Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts, far better quarterbacks than, than uh, Jimmy G right now. Uh, for teams like the Eagles and the and the Dallas Cowboys, who also very good defenses that can um, you know change a game as well. And then uh, Minnesota, it all depends on when they play, I guess, when it comes to Kirk Cousins. And then you've got Tampa Bay, who are going to make the playoffs and are going to beat somebody in the wild card round. You just know it's going to happen because the the defense still pretty strong, and this offense has all the pieces. Like it's all there for them to put it together, especially with White emerging in this running game. Uh, and they get all these bodies back. If they can get guys healthy in time, Tampa Bay is going to upset the cart uh, in the wild card round. You just know what's going to happen. Jason Logan, senior industry analyst for Covers, host of the Sharp 600 podcast. I've watched it. It's fun. It's creative. And, of course, lots of good information. So I swore off teasers like forever ago. <laughs> rough rough start for your girl here. But maybe you can convince me to get back on. Are, is there any teaser looks that you like for this week? Uh, I don't have anything in yet. And we do it as like a collaborative effort on the on the podcast. So we started doing it the last three weeks and we've gone three for three with what we call our Team 600 teaser. So it's myself, it's my producer Delano, and then Arthur de Cesar who works at the Superbook in Las Vegas. He comes on the show and he throws one in there. So our team 600 teasers are doing quite well. Um, I've been taking a lot of uh, low totals and games that I expect to go under and puffing them up by six points and then going under. And um, with a lot of these bets being placed in the Friday show, I'm getting a better look at like weather. So any games with wind or, or cold or rain and stuff like that, I'm kind of maybe throwing that into the mix. Uh, we've had some success with home dogs, taking some kind of short home dogs and working them up as well too. And then of course, like you you look at like Thursday's game with the Patriots right now, sitting around plus four and a half. That's a pretty tempting tease. You can work them up as high, you know, as high as what, 11 plus 11 plus 10 and a half right now in a, in a very tight divisional game. Uh, and then of course, like the big faves always show up too. So you can always take those favorites and, in you know, the best practices for teasers is to try to walk these through as many key numbers as you can. So a team like Baltimore right now, is at minus eight and a half hosting Denver. It's a very tough spot for Denver. They're back on the road, a 1 p.m. start, second road game, three and four weeks. Uh, you can take the, the Baltimore Ravens down to, you know, through the seven, through the six, through the three, and get them down to minus two and a half right now. So nothing officially in there, but those are a couple numbers that I expect to see some teaser action on. Jason, uh, you mentioned short home dogs here. I'm really curious your thoughts on a particular game for this weekend. On this show, we may or may not have a Brian Robinson big hat bet on the, on the line here. Jaguars <laughs> and the Lions on Sunday. Uh, right now, you can find the Jaguars about a one-and-a-half-point road favorite after their comeback. Great comeback by them to get that game mm-hmm. versus the Ravens. Lions lose their first game in a few weeks uh, on Thanksgiving, but they were competitive against the Bills. What do you think about that game? Jaguars-Lions in Detroit. Extremely interesting line movement here in the first 48 hours of action because we saw this one open pick them and we saw some early action on the Lions. Tick this one up as high as minus two and then professional groups got on the Jaguars yesterday, pushed this back down to pick them and I think we're sitting at Jags minus one and a half here this morning. So it's gone back and forth. 
Uh, Detroit has been a very public team ever since last year. Uh, you know, people rah-rah around Dan Campbell. They cover at home. I think they're 10-4 and four ATS at home since Dan Campbell came on board. And we have seen action showing up uh, from the betting public on the Lions the last three weeks. They were a big favorite against Buffalo of all teams. Or, sorry, a big uh, public pick against Buffalo last week of all teams. And um, and so I expect to see some more action come back. This one's probably going to settle at a pick where it all started. It is, I will say, for the Jags, it is kind of a rare spot for them. They're coming off a win, which is something that they don't normally do. It is a travel spot and a bit of a letdown spot after that thrilling win over Baltimore. Doug Peterson showed some major marbles there going for the two-point conversion. So uh, no play on this game for me, but a, a definitely interesting line movement. I could see why Jacksonville is appealing. Um, you know, a lot of the advanced metrics really you know, work out well for them. But uh, it, like I said, a bit of a letdown spot. And we'll probably, and like I said, we're going to see this line go back. So time your, time your wagers accordingly. If you like the Lions right now, you might want to grab the points. Mike White Mania, big surprise, right? He, he performs well <laughs> against the worst defense in the NFL and the Bears set yeah. up to succeed. And uh, now the Jets hit the road. They're facing a Vikings team with, with extra rest, uh, having a great season so far. Even though all these games are tight, they're winning all of them. Vikings yeah. home favorites by three. What do you think with this one? Yeah, and this is one that I, I expected to, to go up, but it's actually kind of trending in the other direction. I did take Vikes minus three on Sunday night. We saw the juice ticking up. I expected this to go to three and a half and stay at three and a half. Uh, but uh, we're seeing movement back the other way now. We're seeing this down as, a, as an expensive plus three on the Jets could possibly move to two and a half. I'm not jumping on the Mike White train. Like you said, they played against a Bears defense. That's terrible. Now they have to hit the road. You know, the Vikings, not a fantastic defense, but a much better team than Chicago, especially when Justin Fields is out. Um, and then this is an offense, too, that just put up a ton of points on the number one defense in the land in New England, a team that just beat the Jets uh, twice in the past month. And uh, and it's going to be a big, big test for this Jets defense, for sure, especially coming indoors in Minnesota, that indoor track. There's no weather. There's no outdoor elements to play here. They are basically exposed against a very deep and dangerous Vikings attack. So I, I like Minnesota minus three. If it goes to two and a half, I may bet it again at, at Minnesota minus two and a half or just take the Minnesota money line. Love it. What about the struggling Broncos at the Ravens? The Ravens coming off that heartbreaking loss. So um, Broncos, eight-point dogs at the Ravens this week. Yeah, I mean, it's perfectly warranted. I mean, you look at uh, what this offense has not done over the last entire season with Russell Wilson, and then that locker room seems to be uh, on fire right now. Uh, we all saw the <laughs> clips coming out of Sunday, the defense just barking at Russell Wilson. Um, so for, for this one, like I said, very interesting teaser. You could march Baltimore down all the way. Um, we've seen some wishy-washy results from them. The total on this one, I was a bit surprised, started marching up. And we've seen a lot of low, low totals over the last few weeks with some bad, bad teams out there. And uh, primarily you see action on the over with those low totals. Uh, people just expect more points than what's coming out. So it's, it's one of these things where I'm looking at it. I, I like where Baltimore's defense is going. They didn't look as sharp in that second half. Definitely not the fourth quarter against the Jaguars, but they're, they're back home here for this one. Um, I could see this as, as, a, as an under play just with given how bad Denver is and this is like I said a bad spot for Denver second straight road game it's a 1 p.m. start on the east coast and it's their third road game in four weeks and if you actually go back and look over their last five games it's their fourth away game 
because they did play in London, played a rare road game, had a, or they had the bye after London, played a rare home game, and then these two here. So it's just a tough spot for a, a Broncos team that I don't think anyone should really want anything to do with right now. Jason, how about prop looks for, for the week? Obviously, props, you know, the, the actual numbers are not. But any matchups that you're looking at that are favorable? I mean, we saw Josh Jacobs do what he did last week. He's banged up uh, now uh, mm-hmm. heading into this week. But any, any favorable matchups you're looking at on the prop scene for week 13? Yeah, the props have been, I don't know, you guys know this is too, but the props have just been slow rolling the last, like, three or four weeks. It seems to be getting worse all yeah. the time. Uh, I and a lot of it, you know, injuries and, and late season moves, and, and a lot of these bad teams now are maybe kicking the can on some of their younger guys. But um, yeah, it just seems like the props are super late coming out. I was looking at a few for the Thursday night football game, which is what I'm working on today. Uh, I was looking at Isaiah McKenzie for the Bills. He's out there at 25 and a half yards for his receiving prop. Um, he had a big day last last Thursday against the Lions, 96 yards, and he did torch the Pats from the slot there. Um, end of December last year, no Gabe Davis in that game, but he has been getting a ton of targets. He's been getting a lot of his snap counts been ticking up as well too. Um, and then I, I, I do expect New England to put a lot of attention on guys like Diggs and, and Gabe Davis, cause they are very, very good against the past. So I think there is opportunity for McKenzie underneath to do some damage. And then I was looking at the tight end props for the Pats and the offensive line, very banged up for New England wide receivers as well, limited in practice this week. You look at Hunter Henry, he's coming off a very good game against the Vikings, 63 yards. Could have had a lot more had that TD not been called back. Um, he's been really, really good the last three weeks as well, too. Eight catches, 133 yards, and a touchdown. However, Buffalo, very, very good against tight ends. They got the guys like uh, Milano, terrific coverage linebackers. I may look to go under on a Hunter Henry where he could be used a lot more in blocking if the offensive line is as bad up uh, as is banged up as they do. They run a lot of two, two tight end sets. Um, but they, they may have to in this case just to kind of keep the pressure off of uh, off of Mac Jones. So uh, maybe going under on Hunter Henry. He's at 25 and a half as well, too. Uh, Jason, we've got about a minute left. I mean, what a great slate that we have set up. It looks like it's going to be the best that we've had all season. Uh, so many mm. intriguing storylines. Is there another game that we have not hit on uh, that you wanted to mention? Um, I will say I did bet San Francisco money line with this ticking up to minus four. And uh, the reason I did it, I'm, I'm kind of swearing. It's like swearing off carbs or whatever. I'm um, swearing off betting on four-point favorites. <laughs> and because I, I generally they, they win, but they don't cover. And I, I went and looked at the stats for this one. And so far this season, faves between minus four and minus four and a half. They're nine and eight straight up, but just four and 13 against the spread. And it's not just reserved to this. And four being kind of that, that top secondary key number, we're seeing a lot more fours play a role in games. If you look back um, last year, uh, sorry, in 2020, they went 15 and seven straight up in 2020, 11 and 11 ATS. Uh, if you go back to 2016, faves between minus four and minus four and a half, they win 56% of the time, but they're only covering. 5477 ATS. They're covering 41% of the time in that span since 2016. I'll say it's just kind of somewhere of a ATS no man's land. You're better, you know, you're better yeah. than a three point, three and a half point favorite, but you're not as good as a five and a half or a six point favorite. And so they're winning those games, but they're not necessarily covering those games. I'm losing more wagers than I like betting on four point favorites. So I said, nope, the hell with it. I'm just going to go money line. But you can get money line around minus 190 to minus 200. So I did bet. San Francisco minus 194, that big matchup with Mike McDaniel. 
and the Miami offense there. So I do like San Francisco in that game. Great stuff. Jason Logan of Covers and the GetMyPhoenix.com. Guest line up next, our lightning bets right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, <coughs> presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.